Hello and welcome to the Trouble with the Snap podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Be sure to follow the Facebook page, like the Facebook page, comment on the Facebook page um, at Trouble with the Snap podcast. Um, Look, this show is going to be kind of redundant today, if we're being completely honest. Um, It's the same type of problems that Michigan State's had throughout the course of most of the season and look it's frustrating I sit there as a high school basketball coach and I tell the kids one thing at the well I tell the kids a couple things at the beginning of the year it's just like general expectations stuff like that but the number one rule the number one uh, thing that I tell them is I don't care if we win by 100 or if we lose by 100. But if you give 99.9% effort, we're going to have a problem. I want to see effort. I want to see the common sense on the floor for players that know more about basketball than I do. Now, obviously, that's not the case at the high school level, but that is the case at the Division One level. And when you see a guy like Tyson Walker start on one wing, run down to the opposite block just to dig, but then he doesn't recover, even though everybody and their mother knows that Tom Izzo doesn't double-team bigs. When you see him do that, and Liddell makes that cross-court pass for a wide-open three, that bugs the crap out of me. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with Malik Hall putting, uh, like, not putting in any effort for a loose ball that was right in front of his face. And to see Ohio State get it, outrun him down the floor, and hit a three. That right there is a five-point swing. That loose ball was right underneath the basket. Maybe a six-point swing if he got the and one. And I don't know what his deal is. Because I've sat there, and I've, I've said it at the beginning of the season. Or not the beginning of the season, but midway through the course of the season. I've said, Malik Hall is the best player on this team. And they need to find ways to get him more involved. And yesterday, what he kept trying to do is try taking his man one-on-one from the top of the key. Whenever he got the ball there, that's what he was doing. Was trying to take his man one-on-one from the top of the key. He'd dribble into traffic. He wouldn't make his moves in time. And he'd fall down and he'd turn the ball over. He did that, I think, three times last night. You know, uh, Anthony Iani was on the show, former Spartan, obviously. Uh, We've had him on a few times the last couple weeks. And he's been saying... This Michigan State team will go as far as Gabe Brown takes them, and I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that anymore. I kind of agreed with him, um, but that's not the case because Gabe Brown's been pretty good the last game and a half. You know, you take away that second lazy foul against Michigan, and You know, maybe that story's written a little bit differently because he was on fire. And he was shooting pretty well last night, too. But 
this team's going to go as far as their defensive intensity takes them. You can't come out, look sluggish on defense. Because that's what it was. They were getting open looks. And I know what Joe Crispin said last night. I don't think it's a defensive thing. I just think it's the offense for Ohio State. He's full of crap. No. Because I've seen Tom Izzo defenses. I know their system, how they work. I've watched four or five different coaching clinic videos of Jim Boylan. And you can say what you want about him as a head coach. He was an assistant for Michigan State. He's been an assistant on some of the best teams. Uh, some of the best franchises in the NBA history. Um, he he, estab- he established part of a defensive system at Michigan State that Tom Izzo's carried to this day. So I, I've, I know enough about Michigan State's defense, how they like to operate, to know that what I saw last night was not Ohio State's offense dominating Michigan State's defense. Saw that Michigan State's defense beating themselves. And when you come out and you look lackluster and you give up an 11-0 run to start the game and you lose the game by 11, guess what happens? It all starts on defense. Michigan State against Purdue, they came locked in. A.J. Hogarth was the head of the snake. He shut off Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey got some of his... It was was weird to see in the college level. NBA superstar calls and got to the free throw line, and that's where his points came from. You know, and I'm fine with the let Zach Eady, let Hunter Dickinson, let those types of guys beat you, but the perimeter has to be better on defense. And... I think there was one play where Ohio State's center who just magically went off supposedly wasn't on the scouting report, blah, 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 which is bull because I've seen scouting reports in high school go 12 deep. Um, there was that one play, the guy dribbles it off his foot, picks it up, and just takes Marble to the basket. And while I don't feel, and while I'm not going to blame Marble for that, I've called for Marble to start over the last however many weeks. And the last two games, he's looked like a lost puppy out there. I don't get it. It's like the second any of these guys, outside of A.J. Hogard, get inserted into the starting lineup, they think they've earned it. And that's a big problem for me. I mean, I had a talk with someone the other day about LeBron James, how, you know what, the guy kind of makes me mad because once people started calling him the greatest of all time or said he was going to be the greatest of all time, he stopped doing the things that should have made him the greatest of all time. I know that's a sidebar or whatever, but I that's why I don't like LeBron. And that's why I can't stand this basketball team. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to root for them. They're great kids. I've met a couple of them. I've met Suzoko. I've met Marble. I've met Hall. But it's like the second any of these guys get put into the starting lineup, they forget what they did that got them there. 
what got him into the starting lineup except for A.J. Hogarth, and he's been MIA the last two games because he's trying to get over something as far as an illness goes. Mady Sizoke, Marcus Bingham should not have to have a fire lit under him. Oh, look, this no-name guy's taking it to us. It's embarrassing. Before he decides he wants to start going off for the first time in a month. That shouldn't have to happen. Julius Marble shouldn't have to be relegated to the bench, which, you know what, now I'm starting to think he should be. Because all of a sudden... He thinks he's supposed, to, he's supposed to be the starter and teams are just going to start caving to him like they did when, well, he wasn't on the scouting report. Maybe Suzuko's been maybe their best center over the last two games. And that's embarrassing. Nothing against the kid. Like I said, he's a good kid. But he's not polished offensively. He's still raw a little bit defensively as well. But he's playing harder than anybody. Marcus Bingham went hard in the second half last night. You can't do that. The whole thing's embarrassing. Max Christie is chucking shots now like we wish he would have when he was actually making them at the beginning of the year. You can't do that. Run the offense. Those are the things that are driving me crazy. It's not like Tom Izzo just magically forgot to coach. And so when I hear that Mark D'Antonio, oh, this is resembling to the last years of D'Antonio. No, it's not. Shut up. Mark D'Antonio had a, or excuse me, Tom Izzo had a championship contending team two years ago. Maybe the second best team in the in uh, in the Izzo era. You know, you can make arguments for the year. Uh, Kalen Lucas tore his Achilles and stuff like that. Whatever. I mean, but that team was legitimate. You had a dominant center who could lock down anybody and score, you know, 14, 16 points a game was a great rebounder, was a great leader, and you had the best player in America in Cassius Winston. He was two, he's two years removed from a, a potential national championship, and everyone's like, oh, this is like the last year's of Dan Tony. No, it's not. Shut up. This team did stop trying, though. And it bugs the crap out of me that I take two to two and a half hours a night when this team is on, and feel more invested than they do. Take two and two and a half hours away from my daughter to watch guys who it looks like they don't even care. And look, I've when I sit there and I make effort-related posts and stuff like that on basketball, or football or whatever, you know, occasionally I do get some occasionally I do get somebody to uh, comment and say, "Oh, well, if someone just sits there and judges my kid's effort." That's what a coach is supposed to do. And I'm sorry I can't stop looking at this 
team through a coach's eyes. And I can't stop thinking about how I would react if I was running this team. And like I said, they know more about basketball than me. They're Division One basketball players, and they're going to play professionally overseas. Um, you know, a couple of them might get opportunities in the league, maybe. Christie will, but anybody else is up for grabs, and Christie's been just absent as a defender the last couple games. But I, I just can't deal with it. I'm fine if you if you suck. That's fine. You're not going to win the championship every year. I get that. Last year's team sucked. Uh, there was a team with Drew Neitzel, uh, required him to just completely go off against Wisconsin at the Breslin Center for Michigan State to make the tournament. That team sucked. But I'll tell you what, they were a lot more, they, and they're less talented than this team, collectively. But I'll tell you what, they were a lot more fun to watch than this team, because at least they tried. And H.A. Hogart can sit there, he can go on Twitter, and he can say whatever he wants to about the fans. The fans aren't turning their back on you. They still want you to win. But you know what? If you want to direct that intensity towards your players and hold them accountable and push uh, guys like Max Christie up against the locker room, up against the locker like Mateen Cleaves did to Morris Peterson against Syracuse in 2000, if you want to do that and try to draw something out of Max Christie, do it. Don't direct it at the fans. I spent so much money on this program watching you play. The only reason I have cable with all the streaming services available is to watch Big Ten Network. Which, by the way, if anybody has any suggestions for how I can get that without using cable, because Comcast Xfinity is just trash, go ahead, comment on the page. Direct it towards your players, Hogard. Because Hogard's the only player I see that plays with heart when he's out there. And when he's 100%, he's a legitimate spark plug. He needs to be a leader on this team. And, I've said, and I said it on the last show. He needs to be that guy. And if you can't go, you better do it from the sideline. You better sit there like Mateen Cleaves and Crutches against North Carolina and try to draw something out of Gabe Brown that's going to turn him into a championship contender. Because talent-wise, this is a top 15 team. You want to sit there and you need to pull it out of Walker, who's not taking shots when he's open. And he's been the best shooter on the team all year. And as much as that seems like a backhanded compliment, it's not. He's a legitimately good shooter. And so when you see everybody just copy the same playbook, the same defensive scheme, oh, we'll just go under screens like we do for Hogarth who can't shoot. Walker can, and Walker's not taking those shots. Come out and blow up somebody's scheme. Because if they sit there and they want to keep going under, you knock down a couple shots, guess what? They're going to chase you over the top and you got to pick and roll with some of the best role men in basketball. Because that's the one thing Michigan State bigs can do consistently.
But if you're not going to try to do things to take other teams out of their game plan, if you're not going to try to get loose balls, Malik Hall, if you're not going to try to move the offense, Malik Hall, if you're not going to be where you're supposed to be on defense, Tyson Walker, uh, you know, I'm not even going to do that because that's going to take too much time and we're running out of it. You can't sit there, get injected into the starting lineup, and forget you knew how to forget how to play basketball. You can't do it, and that's what this team's done. And I'll tell you what: if they don't beat Maryland, they can start sweating on Selection Sunday. Everybody said that Purdue game locked them in. And you know what? Even I said it. But Michigan State needs a run in the Big Ten tournament, and they need to beat Maryland. You want to know why? Because they can't play in that 7-10 to 10 spot and expect to make it out of the first weekend. Your 7 or 10 seed, guess what? You get number two if you win. Your 8-9 seed, obviously, you get number one. You're not going to make it out of the first weekend. Oh, well, they just beat Purdue. Yeah. That's great. I don't care. Purdue looks like the aberration right now. The anomaly. It's not the norm. Because they actually put in the the effort against Purdue. But look, we'll... uh, We'll talk about tournament hopes and we'll talk about all that type of stuff come Monday as we recap the Maryland game, uh, look at the Big Ten tournament schedule as well, um, as that's going to be laid out for us and we'll try to get this going. Um, Look, it's time to pick it up. It's March. Someone better tell Michigan State's basketball team. But uh, that does it for us here on here today. Uh, I am Tyler Hayward. This is the trouble with the snap.